All right, hello, Christ community. We are so glad you are here. Uh, greetings to those of you at our West Campus at Northridge High School, those in our traditions venue, you guys rock down there, and our uh, friends in LaSalle, as well as those watching online. If you are kind of exploring Christ community, we are a group of ordinary people who love Jesus and whose lives are being changed by him. So wherever you are at spiritually, we are just glad you're here, and we believe that God wants to do a great work in your life. Okay, so a few months ago, I had this sort of troubling realization. I don't know how to shake hands with people anymore. Um, see, for the first four decades of my life, shaking hands with another guy was a pretty straightforward thing, right? You put your hand out, and they put their hand out, and you'd shake. I had done that thousands of times. But in the past few years, something has changed. I mean, it's not that simple anymore. You younger guys just have made it way too complicated. It's elbows, it's fists. I, now, I, honestly, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know if I'm supposed to have my hand in this position or this position or this position or this position. I mean, the other day I saw a friend and, and I was going to shake his hand and he had his hand up here and we did this really awkward sort of thing up here. It was just, it was just weird. So, so here I am. Here is this area of my relational life that for years I thought I knew how to do it. And now I feel like all the rules have changed and I don't know how to do this anymore. Uh, as you can probably tell, it's, it's pretty traumatic, so you can pray for me, okay? Um, but but, but have, you ever, have you ever done something a particular way for a really, really long time, and then someone comes along and changes everything? You know, I wonder if that's a bit of how the people in Jesus' day felt that afternoon when they had gathered to see him. In the book of Luke, he tells us that, that tons of people had gathered that day. I mean, people had come from long distances to see Jesus, and they had, they had heard about him for a few months. They'd been hearing about him and how he was, he was doing all these things, healing people and doing miraculous things. And so there's this, this huge Jesus fest is happening, okay, in Luke 6. And, and for a while that day, Jesus did everything that everyone had hoped he would do. He prayed for people. He healed people. He cast some demons out of people. But then at some point he stopped and he quieted the crowd and he began to teach them. Actually, he did something more than that. He began to cast a vision for a movement that he was creating. He began to cast a vision for the kind of people that he wanted his followers to be. I mean, this was sort of a, a Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream moment here. Jesus begins to cast this vision for how his followers are to live. Now, that this, this entire message, his entire message, his entire vision cast, as revealed in Luke 6, can be summarized in one word. Love. Love. This is what is to characterize any person who follows Jesus. That is what is to characterize this gathering of followers of Jesus, this thing called the church. More than anything else, followers of Jesus are to be known for their love. More than anything else, this movement Jesus started is to be defined by love. Now, now, whether you're new to this whole church thing, maybe you haven't been to church in years, maybe you've never been to church, or maybe you grew up going to church, in all likelihood, what I just said is not that big of a surprise, right? We, we may hear this stuff and think to ourselves, I know that. Yeah, Jesus is about love, yada, yada, I didn't know that. But, but here's the reality. The way Jesus defines love in this vision cast, in this passage here, totally upends our definition of love. Totally. In this teaching, Jesus changes all the rules 
about love. Just like my handshaking story. We think we know how to love. We may think we know what love looks like. And then we look at Jesus' words here and we realize he is changing everything. (laughs) Jesus changes everything everything. That's what makes his words here so powerful. If we define love, if we define love the way it's typically defined, you know, as warm, fuzzy feelings, as as something offered only to people that that we think deserve it, it will have little impact. If that's how we define it and that's how we practice it, it will have little impact. But if we start applying what Jesus says here, if we start living the way he describes, the impact will be profound. In the midst of a society like ours that right now is being ravaged by racial tension and by violence and by political animosity and hatred, Jesus offers us a different path. It is radical. It is hard, which is what makes it so powerful. What Jesus describes here has the power to change our culture. But here's the deal. It's got to start with us. It has to start with us. It has to start with those of us who, those who claim to be following this Jesus. Because again, Jesus changes everything. Okay, so what I want you to do, if you're comfortable doing this, I want you to just close your eyes for just a moment here and just imagine yourself there that day. You have traveled a great distance to see this man, Jesus. You are intrigued by the size of the crowd. You're amazed at his healing power. You've seen him heal some people and you're kind of wondering what would it look like to actually follow this rabbi? What would it look like to actually live according to his teaching? And, and so you're, all this is going on in your mind and this is what you hear him say. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. This is God's Word. Okay, you can open your eyes. So, so let me just ask right up front, do you still want to follow this guy? Do you still want to follow this guy? I mean, these are pretty radical words. They go well beyond the love songs we listen to on Spotify, right? What, what Jesus is describing here totally redefines what love looks like and to whom 
we are to demonstrate love. See, all of us here agree that love is really, really important. I mean, right, we can all agree that love is important. But to whom are we to demonstrate love? See, that's the kicker. We, we, are, totally, we are totally busted by Jesus on this question. Look again at verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. See, isn't this so often how we practice love? Isn't this how we live our lives? We love those people who love us. So if someone at work is nice to us, we're nice back. If someone at school treats us well, we treat them well back. If our neighbor is kind and respectful, then we are kind and respectful back. And Jesus says, yeah, that's love. But it's an incredibly low standard. If we only love people who love us who are good to us, who are kind to us, what credit is that to us? I mean, everyone does that. That's easy. I'm sure members of ISIS live by this rule. Love people who love you. See, Jesus is saying, when it comes to love, that is an incredibly low bar. And he's calling his followers to a much higher bar, a much different standard. Love your enemies. Love people who are not nice to you, who, who do not treat you with respect, people who curse you and say bad things about you. Jesus says, I want you to love them. I mean, seriously? To love that coworker who's saying negative things about me? To love that person who just flipped me off in traffic? To, to love that salesperson who just tried to rip me off? To love that person who's voting for a candidate we despise, or to love the candidates themselves? <laughs> Seriously? Yes, 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 and yes. Yes to all of the above and more. Jesus is changing all the rules. He's changing all the rules about love, and it's pretty unsettling, isn't it? It's pretty unsettling. What he's describing here is so hard. Uh, a few weeks ago, I, I had a phone conversation with someone that I've known for years and have spent a lot of time together. In the course of the conversation, it became clear that, that this person was harboring quite a bit of, of anger towards me that I had been un totally unaware of, harboring quite a bit. And, and at one point, this person was nearly shouting at me. They were accusing me of all sorts of things, using profanity. I mean, it was horrible. And it, it took everything within me to just try and stay calm and listen and to apologize for any hurts that I had caused. But when I got off the phone, I was so angry. I was so hurt. I was so defensive. I started to think of things that I should have said, things that would not have been very loving. In fact, they would have caused significant relational damage, but, but they would have felt so good. They would have felt so good in that moment. But see, isn't that Jesus' point? This isn't about feelings. What feels good, the love Jesus is describing is not in the least about feelings. It's not, he's not saying that we are to feel or that we will feel love towards our enemies. That, that, that we will feel loving towards someone who mistreats us. No, 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 that's not what he's saying. What, he, what he's clearly saying here is that love is a verb. See, love is about action, which means we can do loving things whether we feel like it or not. We can choose to do loving actions. Okay, so what are, what are some of these actions that Jesus describes here? Well, one he mentions in verse 27, do good to those who hate you. See, notice the emphasis on action. He doesn't say feel good 
about those who hate you. No, he says, do good. Do something good for them. Do something that benefits them. See, all of us have the power to do this because, again, it's not about feelings. It's not about feelings. It's about a choice we make. It's something we can do. Not long ago, a friend of mine shared with me about how he had been mistreated in a former employment environment. Um, it was very hurtful to him personally and financially. And, and for a long time, he had struggled with anger and resentment towards his former boss. And they hadn't spoken in a long time. And, and one day, he heard about something tragic that had happened to this man's family and this person's family. And there, there was a part of him that because of the past, he didn't want to respond in any way. But there was another part of him in which the Holy Spirit was kind of prompting him to do good. So he texted this person and just let them know that he was praying for them. He was so sorry for what had happened. He was in the situation. He was praying for them. If they needed anything, to let them know. And, and sure enough, he got a text back, a heartfelt thank you, and an expressed desire to get together and talk, which, which they did. God began to do some wonderful things, including just the beginning of, of healing that relationship. And, and to think it all started, it all started because of a decision to do good, not because of feelings. It started because of a decision to do good to someone who had hurt him. So is there someone in your life right now, someone who has hurt you, someone who hates you? Is there something good that you could do for them? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what that might be. I'm sure he has all sorts of ideas when we ask. Early, early in the summer, we visited uh, my son uh, Caleb in, in Omaha. And at church that weekend, one of the pastors talked about what their church, their church is putting together these, these little care packages to give to people that are in need. And it gave me an idea. And so, so, um, so often, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I drive by these people on, on the corner, particular corners here in Greeley, and they're holding up a sign, they need help. And I drive by these people and I never know what to do. I never know what to do. So sometimes I just give them cash, and, and sometimes just trying to ignore them, you know, just uh, not knowing if giving money is that really that helpful for them, you know, you hear all these things, and so, so it's, it's this huge struggle. So after we came back to Greeley, I put together these little care, these little uh, care bags. Um, they're a quart-sized bag um, with sun, uh, some sunscreen and a little toothpaste and tooth brush and a chapstick and a $10 McDonald's card. And then we typed out this card from our church that said something just like, hey, sorry for what you're going through. We know it's a hard time and that God has not forgotten you. And uh, we would be praying for them. So now I was all excited. I put these things together. I was all excited to, to give them out. <clears throat> but for the first couple weeks, I couldn't find anyone. I don't know if it's too hot or whatever, but um, you know, I could not find anyone. I was so excited to do it. Couldn't find anyone. Finally, I was in Fort Collins at College in Harmony, right where that McDonald's is. <clears throat> and, and I was so excited because there was a guy there. And, uh, and so I, I gave him this little bag. And I said, look, I know this isn't much, but I just wanted you to know that I care. Um, and he looked at it, and he kind of started walking across the street again. And then I was getting ready to go, and he, he, I saw him run back to my car. And, and I rolled the window down, and he, and he said, hey, could I have another one of these for a friend of mine who, who stands here with me? <clears throat> it was just a, it was just a cool, it was just a cool, it was simple. And again, I know it wasn't much, but it just was a, a need to, to have this opportunity to do good. Now, now granted, that, that, isn't, that wasn't about loving an enemy, but it is about doing good. In the book of Acts, when Peter is summarizing the ministry of Jesus, 
This, listen to what he said. He says that Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Jesus went around doing good. For those of us here who consider ourselves to be followers of Jesus, is that how people would describe us? Is that how people would describe how we live? As someone who goes around doing good. And what if, what if we were known? What if we were actually known as people? What if every follower of Jesus, we were just known as people who do good? Can you imagine the impact of that? We, we as a church have a huge event coming up in three weeks where we get to practice this together. It's a blast. Um, it's, called, it's called ShareFest for three hours on a Sunday morning. Here's what happens. Three hours on a Sunday morning, September 4th. Instead of doing church the usual way, we get to be the church. We get to go out and do good. So clean up schoolyards and help repair people's homes. We had over a thousand people last year come out that morning. This is the kind of church that I hope we can continue to be and grow and in the midst of all the anger, in the midst of all the tension in our community today and in our, in our world today, we can choose to love. So if you've not signed up yet for ShareFest, September 4th, you can do it. Online Registration is online and it's open. You can register as an e-group or you can register individually. We want everyone who's a part of Christ's community to join us that Sunday morning. No Saturday nights or service that weekend. Just Sunday morning. We're all in Sunday morning. Um, let's, let's just actually do good. Let's not just talk about doing good. Let's actually do good um, for Jesus' sake. And I know many of us do good in, in various places, but this is an opportunity to come together and make that happen. So that's going to be really fun. Okay, another specific action or way to love our enemies is revealed in verse 28. Jesus says, bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. Again, he's given us this picture of what this looks like to love our enemies. To, to curse someone is to speak ill of them. I mean, it's to speak negatively about someone. When we do that, we're cursing someone. It's to wish them harm. And so Jesus is saying, when someone does that to us, we are not to curse them back, even though we really want to. Instead, we are to bless them. We are to speak well of them. I mean, can, can we all admit here, when someone curses us, however, whatever it looks like, our instinctive reaction is to curse them back. I mean, e either to their face or on social media or talking to other people negatively about them. If they flip us off in traffic, our hand is eager to respond, right? If they criticize us, we will criticize them. If they curse us, we will curse them back. And Jesus says, I don't want you to do that if you're a follower of me. I don't want you to do that. Don't get caught in that trap. If someone speaks ill of you, I want you to speak favorably about them. And yes, this applies even during an election year, especially during an election year. I mean, honestly, I'm appalled at the way some Christians are responding to people during this election season. I mean, Facebook conversations that are filled with name calling and anger. I mean, it is a far cry from what Jesus is describing here in Luke 6. I'm mean, going to look at all of our Facebook responses in this grid, in a Luke 6 grid, and see if it actually fits this. And, and these responses, these anger-filled responses, it honestly, it says a lot about where our hearts are. It says, and in fact, it says a lot about what we're trusting in. See, anger almost always is rooted in fear. 
So when th these anger, when we feel ourselves getting angry and this political thing or whatever, this election season, if we're feeling ourselves that happening, we probably ought to stop and ask the Lord, why am I so angry? What am I afraid of? What am I trusting in? What am I trusting in? Because see, that's what reveals why we're so angry. Maybe our trust is misplaced and we're not trusting in the Lord. We're trusting in this candidate or that candidate or this situation or whatever. What are we trusting in? See, we as followers of Jesus, whether it's on Facebook or wherever it is, we as followers of Jesus, I, I think we should be the most loving people on the planet. I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Are we? And if not, why not? Why not? Jesus mentions another specific act of love in verse 28. Pray for those who mistreat you. Pray for those who mistreat you. How often do we do this? I mean, how often do we pray for a boss who mistreats us? How often do we pray for ISIS? How often do we pray for a person who verbally abused us? You know, ra rather than striking out with angry words, what if we got alone with God and we just prayed for them? This is something any of us can do. I mean, we may not feel like it, but again, this isn't about feelings, right? We can choose to pray for this person. Preferably, not a God strike them down type prayer. Um, may their skin be infested with worms, you know, that, that sort of a thing. But honestly, we can start there. Really, I mean, we can start there. God wants us to be honest, right? He wants us to be real. And so maybe we start there, but he also, we start there in prayer. David did at times. That was kind of just his heartfelt response. But God also wants our hearts to move to a place. He doesn't want us to stay there. He wants our hearts to move to a place where we can choose to pray a blessing. We can choose to pray a prayer of healing. Because remember, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And a lot of times when someone hurts us, it's, it's a reflection of a hurt that's going on in their heart a wound that they carry. And so we can pray for them to experience Jesus' healing in the midst of that. And when we do that, here's the coolest thing of all. When we do that, something amazing happens in our own heart towards this person. This is amazing. In prayer, we begin to see things from God's perspective rather than our own limited perspective, which is huge. So I mentioned a moment ago um, this conversation, this phone conversation I had with a person who was very angry at me, and, and some of the things that, were, that, were, that, that this person said were, were related to my family. Um, and so I told my wife about it, and uh, we both were reeling from what this person had said. It was really painful. Um, now, I already mentioned my response, right? I was thinking of things that I should have said, you know, in my own defense, thinking of, of different scenarios in the future and how I can, you know, get revenge, you know, all that stuff, not, not good. But my wife, my wife Raylene, had a totally different response. So we talked the next day. I told her about what was going on. We talked the next day. Um, and, and she mentioned, when we talked the next day, she mentioned that she'd been praying for this person. And not just any prayer. She, she had asked God to show her this person's heart. And he did. God showed Raylene some really cool things about this person's heart and life. So then Raylene types it up. She types up what she heard from God. She types all this up in a letter and then she buys this really cool gift that links in with what she heard from God and she packages it up and she gives it to this person. And they were totally blessed by it. I mean, it poured life in the relationship. I was, I was blown away. 
I looked at my wife and I thought, you are amazing. I'm married to Mother Teresa here. <laughs> who does that kind of thing? Who, who prays for people who, who hurt them and then hears from God and gives them an encouraging letter and gift? Who does that? Well, Jesus tells us who's supposed to do that sort of thing. We are. We are. As followers of Jesus, this is what we are to look like. We are to love our enemies. We are to bless those who curse us. We are to pray for those who mistreat us. So how do we do this? Man, this is hard. I mean, how do we do this? I don't want this to be like, oh yeah, I feel guilty, do more. That, that's not the hard, we, we got to get beyond that because we know guilt isn't going to last but maybe a few hours, okay? We got to get beyond that. How do we love people? How do we love people who we don't like? How do we love people who have hurt us? Jesus gives us the answer in this passage and my wife illustrated the answer in her response. Here, here, here's the key. The key to finding the capacity to love our enemies is in realizing how much God loves our enemies. See, that's the key. It's in realizing, we don't have that capacity in ourselves. It is in realizing how much God loves our enemies. See, that's what changed everything for Raylene. It was when she prayed and she asked God to show her this person's heart, the way he saw this person, and he did. God showed Rayleigh how much he loved this person and why he loved this person. Even if some of the good stuff in that person was buried beneath some past hurts, he loved them. He loves them. See, folks, this is a total game changer. This is a total game changer. It is really hard to hate a person that God loves. It is really hard to curse a person that we know God adores. It's really hard. The key to loving people we don't like is in realizing how much God loves them. That's the key. And then this is where Jesus goes in this passage. It's not, it's not about manufacturing, well, I gotta like this, I love this. No, 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 it's about seeing them from God's perspective. It's realizing how much God loves them. That's what is a game changer here. And this is where Jesus goes. Look, look again at verse 35. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. See, this is God's heart towards our enemies. This is God's heart towards people who hurt us and curse us and mistreat us. He loves them. <laughs> he is kind to them. He sees good in them, and he longs for them to experience his love in a greater way. This is the kind of God he is. This is the kind of God he is. He is a God of love. See, we, we like to focus on how that love is directed towards us, and that's absolutely true, but it is also directed towards the people we don't like very much. I mean, think of someone, think of someone that you don't like, you don't like very much. It's someone in your circle of acquaintances or relationships. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a, a, a boss, maybe it's, it's someone at school, maybe it's a, a professor or something, maybe it's an extended family member or whatever. I mean, it's easy, again, it, when you think about the person, it's easy to think about what we don't like about them. If someone asks us, oh, we could list off the things we don't like about that, that's easy. But what might happen 
If you have that person in your mind, just think of someone. If you have that person in your mind, what might happen in your heart if you ask God to show you what he thinks of that person? What might happen in your heart if you ask him to show you what he thinks of that person? In fact, I'm just going to challenge you to do that and me. Just a little bit of homework here. A challenge to all of us. Whoever we thought of, do that. Ask God how he sees them. Sometime today, sometime the next day or two. Get along with God and ask him how he sees them. I mean, what if, you got a, what if you got a glimpse from God of how much he loves them? It would dramatically change your attitude towards this person. Not only that, it would free your heart to demonstrate love for them, just as it did my wife in the story I mentioned a moment ago. I could tell, I could tell, folks, within 24 hours, the next day, her heart was totally different towards this person than my heart was. Totally different. I was still angry, wrestling with bitterness, all that. She was free to love. I wonder if that freedom and joy are are what Jesus was referring to when he says in the verse we just read, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high. Now, There's no question that part of the reward, Jesus talks a lot about rewards, part of the reward he's mentioning is a reward in heaven. There are rewards awaiting in heaven when we make this decision to love our enemies. That's absolutely true. And that can help motivate us to love when it's hard to love people. But I don't think that's all the reward that Jesus is talking about here. He describes the nature of this reward. Look again when he says, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high. See, part of the reward of loving is the experience of being children of God. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. The Bible clearly says that we become children of God the moment we place our faith in Jesus. If you have placed your trust in Jesus for salvation, you are his beloved son or daughter. And if you've not placed your trust or your faith in Jesus for salvation, this would be a really good reason to do that. Because when you place your trust in Jesus' work on the cross, you become, at that moment, you become a child of God. He adopts you into his family forever. It's a cool thing. At that moment, you enter into a love relationship with God where we, you, you, you are his beloved child no matter what. Nothing can change that. That's all true. And if you haven't done that, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a couple minutes to do that. But, but here's the deal. For those of us who have done that, for those of us who are, we've, we've entered into, this, into God's family. We're children of God. The problem is often we don't live in the fullness of that reality. We don't live as beloved children of God. We live as spiritual orphans trying to prove our value, trying to earn his love. And when we do that, it makes it really hard to love other people, especially people we don't like because our love tank is empty. We're running on fumes. No wonder it's so hard to love other people. We don't even like ourselves. See, we're not living in the Father's heart, which means we have nothing to offer anyone else. There's certainly no overflow of love. The title of this series is No Overflow of Love. This is maybe a trickle, if anything. See, what if the reward that Jesus describes here, what if the reward is the joy and freedom that come from actually living as beloved children of God? What if that's the reward? Living, he says, you are children of your heavenly father. What if the reward is living, experiencing this, 
experiencing what it means to just be a beloved child of God. See, when we, when we see people through God's eyes, even people we don't like very much, it opens a door for us to experience God's love more deeply and to offer that to others. I mean, what an incredible reward that would be. It is something we can experience now to live in this place of overflowing love, knowing how much he loves us, and then seeing how much he loves others. I mean, what an amazing way to live. What an absolutely amazing way to live. So filled with his love for us. It just begins changing the way we view other people and it overflows, it flows into the lives of other people. Folks, this, this is so, this is so um, my heart for our church right now. This isn't just another teaching series. This word overflow, honestly, it has been in my heart for months. I see it in scripture and it just, it just grabbed me. I've been praying about it for months. What, what does this mean? And, and Lord, what are you saying through this? And, and so then as I was praying for this through the summer, God has been stirring in my heart this longing, this passion for us to experience more of his love. And I believe God is wanting to do that in this season. Again, this isn't just a teaching series. I believe God is wanting to do a, a supernatural outpouring of his love into our hearts that, that we would know in a deeper way how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ, as Paul prays in Ephesians 3, that the Holy Spirit would pour out the Father's love into our hearts in a greater way, as Paul talks about in Romans chapter 5. I believe God wants to do that in this season. And, and I want not only to let us know how much he loves us, but also how much he loves the people around us. That's what makes it overflowing. It's not just about us. It's overflowing. God is stirring something here in this season. And I don't want us to miss it. I, I don't want us to miss this. I, I want us to be right in the center of this overflowing river of God's love. I want us to be right in the center of it. So let, let's, let's pray. I want to kind of pray into that here. So wherever you're at spiritually, God wants you to experience more of his love. He does. In your pain, in your shame, in your discouragement, in your anxiety, in your disillusionment, in your doubts, God wants to pour out his love. And so we're going to pray for that. But before we jump into that, I want to just do this first step I talked about, becoming a child of God. Being a child of God is not automatic. Adoption is a process, right? Adoption doesn't just happen, it's a process. And the Bible says we are adopted by placing our faith in Jesus. That we are separated from God because of our sin, but when we place our trust in Jesus and his work on the cross, we are adopted into God's family forever. And there are some of you here and you don't know for sure if you are in the family of God. If you have been adopted, and you can take care of that right now. We're going to take care of that right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer where you can become a child of God forever. So if you're uncertain, just pray along with me in the silence of your heart. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just pray with me in the silence of your heart. Dear God, I acknowledge that you are holy and I'm not. My sin separates me from you, but I don't want to be separated from you. 
And even though there is nothing I can do to get to you, you came to me. You sent your son Jesus to die on the cross in my place. You paid the penalty that I deserved to pay. You took the judgment I deserved. Thank you. I choose right now to place my faith in you. I place my trust in you. I bring you all my sin and all my shame and all my failures and doubts and questions, all that stuff I don't understand. I just bring it to you. And I receive your love. Adopt me into your family. Forgive my sin and come live in me forever and ever through the presence of your Holy Spirit. So God, I pray for anyone who prayed that prayer, help them grow in this amazing love relationship with you. Nothing can ever separate them from your love. Help them grow in that. And now, Lord, I want to pray for the, all of us here who have prayed that prayer. We have, we have we've been adopted in the family. God, we know that. And God, we long for more of your love in our lives. We look at this scripture and we think, oh man, we... It's that that love is just, it's, it's beyond what we can ever do. And you say, absolutely, we, we need help. We need your love filling us to overflowing. And so I just want to ask for that. And I know you, you're, you're seated and you have your head bowed, your eyes closed here. If you're comfortable doing this, I encourage you just to put your, palm, your hands in front of you just with your palms up as a, as a tangible expression of your desire to experience more of God's love for you, to know this love. So Lord, you see the posture of our hearts here. You see the posture of our hearts. And again, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what you've done, how far from God you feel, you can receive his love. So Lord, you see the posture of his hearts. And when Father, right now I just ask, I ask, we ask for more. More of you, more of your love, just an outpouring, an impartation right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Pour the love of the Father upon us in a greater way. And Father, I just join with the Apostle Paul in the prayer in Ephesians 3. I pray that we would know how high and how wide and how long and how deep is your love, this love that surpasses knowledge that we would be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. We just pray for more. We open to you our places of shame and our places of sin, our places of brokenness and hurt and woundedness and loneliness. And Jesus, we just welcome you into those places right now, just more of your amazing love for us. So let's just wait for a moment, just on the Lord. Jesus loves you so much. Just open your heart to his love. Just more, Lord. Rivers, oceans of love. God, help us continue to grow in this. And I pray, Lord, I just pray that as that happens, as your love is overflowing towards us, that you would help us see the people we don't like very much. 
Help us see them through your eyes. Help us see them through your eyes, through your heart. And as we do that, God, it would give us this, you would give us the power, the courage to do good, to bless those who curse us, to pray for those who mistreat us. We just pray for more supernatural love, your love overflowing in, the, in our lives, in this church, and through us into our community and our, our, our neighborhoods and our world. We welcome you, Lord. Why don't we stand as, as we're going to continue to worship. If at some point you want to sit in, that's fine. But let's, let's stand as we worship the Lord. And Holy Spirit, as we're, as we're singing, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would come. You would continue to come and bring healing and life and love. Just pour it out, Lord. Lord, we, we, are, we, we are so in love with you and so needy of you. So we welcome you here. Spirit of God, come. More of your love, more of your power in this place. Thank you, Lord.